Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com for weekly updates about my podcasts, events, and more. Also, follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And finally, join my virtual book club called Zibby's Virtual Book Club, which meets every other Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time until 3 p.m. and features half an hour of book club discussion, followed by 30 minutes of Q&A with the author whose book we've just discussed. You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Beekeepers Naturals. Beekeepers is on a mission to reinvent your medicine cabinet with clean remedies that actually work. You and your family deserve to feel your best all day, every day, which is why Beekeepers Naturals creates clean, science-backed remedies that naturally support your daily health. P.S. This is like the best time ever for me to have them as a sponsor because I am actually sick. So I am using their Bee Soothed Cough Syrup, which could not have arrived at my doorstep at a better moment um, and is amazing. And it's a truly clean cough syrup, which makes me feel so much better. It has no drugs, dyes, dirty chemicals, refined sugars, and it tastes good, which is great. I mean, I can suck it up for anything, but it happens to taste really good. a sort of a light, sweet, natural berry flavor um, and has already made my throat feel better. I also love the throat spray that they have called Propolis throat spray, um, sort of a daily defender, um, promoting immune health and helping scratchy throats, which I have. And then there's even bee powered honey, which is great. And I've been putting it in my tea today. So thank you to beekeepers natural. I even have my own URL. So go to beekeepersnaturals.com slash no time. That's beekeepersnaturals.com slash no time. And the promo code to enter is no time. N-O-T-I-M-E. So go check it out. And I'm excited to expose you to this great brand. Cameron Eubanks Wimberly is the author of One Day You'll Thank Me, essays on dating, motherhood, and everything in between. She is an alumna of Southern Charm, the hit Bravo reality series, and also The Real World. She is a real estate agent based in Charleston, South Carolina, where she lives with her husband, Jason, and their daughter, Palmer. I recorded this conversation with Cameron through Anderson's Bookshop on a late night when everything went wrong with our technology. And this episode could have probably been filmed in, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes or something like that, but it took us almost an hour and 15 minutes in the end. So it was really fun. We had a lot of laughs, but forgive any awkward cuts in and out due to Wi-Fi and technical issues. All right. Well, welcome, Cameron. So excited we get to chat. I was worried that wasn't going to happen, but how delightful. Me too, honestly. I was thinking, oh gosh, this is not going to work. Okay. Thank you all so much for being so patient. I wish I could see you and see your faces and say hey to you. And thank you, Zibby, for doing this. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. Got to hone my little stand-up. <laughs> so, anyway. All right. Well, Cameron, first of all, congratulations on writing your book. One day you'll thank me. I'll thank you today. Thank you. Thank you so much. I can't, It was so hard for me to come up with a title for that book because, you know, you're like, what do I want to call my book? My God, this is a big decision. And then I, I thought about that because that's one thing my mom always used to say to me is one day you'll thank me for this. So that that's how the book came to be. That's a great title. I love it. It's perfect. So Cameron, what made you write a book? What, why did you, what, how did this come about? So 
obviously being on reality television, it, it gives you a platform and an audience for a, a brief window of time. I was joking earlier today that in a few years, I will just be a washed up reality television star. So if I'm going to write a book, now is the time to do it. <laughs> and really being on Southern Charm, I you obviously have access to social media and people can DM you on Instagram. And women would DM me nonstop about like relationship advice, asking me about my indecision to have a child. It seemed to really resonate with a lot of women and women would write me and say, oh my gosh, like I resonated with you with your whole breastfeeding quandary. And I thought, you know, I'm sitting here in my DMs, like writing, like counseling these women. I may as well, I may as well just put it all in a book that you can hold and is, is tangible. Perfect. And I bet that has not stopped the DMs. And I bet you're <laughs> say that. <laughs> I need even more now. And I feel so guilty because I can't get to them all, but I do. I try to read as many as I can. Oh. So when you sat down to write about new motherhood and this whole thing, how did you go about it? Did you decide like, all right, I'm going to start from way back when in dating and just go all the way through? Like, how did you even decide on the scope of the book? And then what was it like just getting it all down and like reliving it? Well, I, I figured I still get asked about the real world all the time. Some of y'all are probably too young to even have, have been old enough to watch it back in the day. But the real world used to be a, a pretty big deal in its heyday back when I was on it. So I figured I may as well start the book with the real world because that's a question I get all the time. And then, you know, there were, there were parts of my life on Southern Charm that I didn't really talk about. I really didn't talk about my relationship. I kept that private. I kept Jason private, kept my marriage off the air. So I knew I wanted to use the book as, as a way to be more open and honest about that. So people could feel like they really got to know me. And then I just, yeah, I would, I would get in the bed. I would drop Palmer off at, at school. I'd get cozy. I'd get in the bed and I'd just start writing. Wow. And it was, it was, easy. It, it, it came pretty easy to me. Although the whole process was about, uh, about a year and a half total. That's that's not too bad in the in the grand scheme of book project world. <laughs> Amazing. Well, tell me about what it was like debating whether or not to have a child and your initial reluctance, which you were really open about in the book. And I so appreciate it because a lot of people don't discuss it or they feel very judged about that. Speaking of, here is Palmer and Jason really quick. They want to say hey to y'all. Hold on. Palmer just had her bath. Hey. <laughs> oh, so cute. <laughs> Jason. He's real. He exists. Palmer, show him your little Elvis. Hi, How's Palmer. How's it going? Okay. Okay. Bye bye. Oh. All right. Okay. <laughs> so cute. The question was before I got interrupted it was about being so open about whether or not to even have children. Oh. Yes. So, I mean, having a kid is a pretty big deal. Like bringing another human into the world, I think is a decision that should not be made lightly. For me, I was never like the little girl that played with baby dolls and like, you know, had this dream of having a big family and felt guilty for a long time because, you know, after you get married, people start saying, when are you going to have a baby? And I was in my thirties. And to make a very long story short, it finally got to the point where I started to think, I might regret not doing this. And, you know, I'm getting older. And if I'm going to do it, I should probably do it now. And I know I'm not going to regret having a child, but I might regret not having one. And I'm so glad that I did it because it has been the best thing that is, it's, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And it's also the hardest thing that's ever happened to me. It's, it's all the things. Motherhood is all the things. 
Yes. <laughs> well, thank you for being so open and sharing. Cameron, when you were leaving the hospital with Palmer and you were trying to deal with the car seat, you said, what the heck do I do with this? And I feel like that is basically the big question in all of parenting. Like, what do we do with this? What do we do with this situation? What do, how do we put in a car seat? But what do we do as, as all the things change? So tell me about that. What do you do with all of the uncertainty? How do we, how the heck do we do this? So one theme that I tried to make common in the book is when you become a mom, there is something kind of primal that takes over. It's like a superpower that you've never had before. And you get this, you all of a sudden get this keen intuition, or at least I did. And you can read all the books in the world and take all the advice in the world. But ultimately, it's really only you that knows what's best for your baby because your baby is unlike any other baby and you are unlike any other mother. So that is what I tell people. And then obviously like with stuff like the car seat and all that, thank God we have Google because back when my mom had me, you know, if she had an issue with the car seat, she was screwed. At least now, you know, you just get on your cell phone and you, do, you know, you can watch a YouTube video. I remember the, the stroller I got, I used to always have trouble un, unhinging it and I would just get on YouTube and watch the video and it was no problem. I think I took my car seat to the fire station. Honestly, I feel like that yeah. had to go to get it installed properly. I mean, I didn't go myself. I think, I don't know. I think my ex-husband did or something. Anyway, yes, so crazy. Well, in addition to you leaving with the hospital, you got the car seat in and then you went home and you had six weeks of what you call the baby blues, which sounded very mm -hmm. much like postpartum depression. And I felt my heart was just breaking for you, crying every day for six weeks. Yeah. Tell me about that feeling and, you know, you were beating yourself up for being sad on top of being sad. So tell yeah. me about that. Well, you know, I don't think um, it's weird. When I was in the hospital, they, they give you a little questionnaire to ask. I mean, and of course, you've literally just had the baby. So, you know, I don't think your hormones are necessarily raging at that point. And so, of course, when I left the hospital, I, I felt totally fine. But then a couple days after being at home, I remember one night I started crying and I looked at Jason and I said, I can't believe we did this to our life. We had such an easy life. We used to sleep. Why did we do this? And of course, you feel so guilty feeling that because you love this little baby. You know, you would step in front of a, a car for this child, but you also feel just it, it's, it's hormones. It's hormones. You can't help it. It's not your fault. It was extremely hard for me. But at the same time, I, I knew in the back of my head, this is not who I am. This is not really the way that I feel. This is a chemical reaction happening in my brain, and it's not going to last forever. So I at least was aware of the fact that it was not my fault. That's a huge awareness. I mean, that is a lot to be able to identify that and, and go easier on yourself, yes. it, especially when you're in the throes. Well, my mom had it, and she luckily talked to me about it, and, and I knew there is a genetic component to it, so... So you're on the lookout. Also, yes, I was on the lookout. <laughs> you had a whole chapter about what about having a second child and how, you know, clearly nobody is satisfied with whatever you do. Whether yeah. you, you have a kid, like, great. Now they want another kid. No. Like you. <laughs> yeah. And if it's, if it's two girls, you have to have a boy. Yeah. So how do you deal with this sort of public pressure? I mean, this is your life, right? And all these people are weighing in on it. How do you deal with that? And also, you know, talk about your decision that one is enough for you. Like, that's fine. Mm -hmm. So I think, and what I tell people and what I have learned through all this is 
just don't talk about these things with women. Don't ever ask a woman, when are you going to have another child? Are you going to have a baby? Are you thinking about having baby? When are you going to get pregnant? Because you never know what that woman is going through. For all anybody knows, I could have been trying to have a baby for the last six months and had, you know, two miscarriages. Nobody knows. So it's best just to keep your mouth shut and leave, leave bringing a child into the world up to the person that is actually doing it and not give your opinion and don't ask. And obviously people don't mean anything by it. They can't help it. But those questions can end up hurting somebody that, you know, that might be having issues with it. So I just, I, I say, don't ask, don't ask the question. That's a great point. Yes. You never know. I mean, in so many areas, you just never know what anyone's going through about really anything. You really don't. You don't know what people are going through. But for me, I, again, it just goes back to me trying to be self-aware, <laughs> tuning out, you know, societal pressures and, and going with my gut because obviously my head my head says, oh gosh, Cameron, what a horrible mother you are. Like you need to give Palmer a sibling, you know? I mean, don't be so, what's the word? I don't know. But then in my gut, in my heart, which I think is the part of you that you really should listen to, will say, Cameron, more than one is going to put you over the edge and you are going to be overwhelmed and you're probably not going to be the me- the best mother to two as you can to one. And obviously there are women out there who can mother you know, five and six children and they're spectacular at it. And I wish I could be that person, but I'm not. So I I try to be self-aware and know that one is my limit. And I would rather give Palmer a happy and sane mama rather than a sibling. And, you know, I never say never. I could wake up tomorrow and change my mind, but that's where I am now. Well, I don't want to pile on and be another person asking you about all of this all these decisions in your life. So I'm just going to like, let it go at this point. <laughs> and you do whatever is right for you. And you know, no. yeah, that's what every, yeah, everybody do. It's like Shakespeare said, if I was to ever get a tattoo, it would be to thine own self. Be true. Just be true to yourself. Don't, don't worry what other people think. And it was funny. I was talking to somebody earlier today and she said, you need to have another one because if when you have two, it's actually easier for you because they play together. And, you know, one is actually more work. And I'm like, oh, God, maybe they have a point. I have four kids and it is not easier. They, it's, <laughs> another, it's another person, for gosh sake. I mean, it's like it, it's, it's another person. It's like if nothing else, it's another set of forms for everything. I know, but, look but how, you're going to be so well taken care of in your old age. Like you're going to be a queen maybe. on a throne. Yeah. Although the other day they were talking about where they wanted to live and they're like, oh, well, you know, we're just going to take this house because yeah, either you'll be dead or you'll live somewhere else. And I'm like, I'm booted out of my own house already. Like what, what, what is going on? So, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Someone's saying, what about hubby? He must be okay with just Palmer. So he, he would have an, if, if I was, if I was down for it, he would have another child for sure. He would have another, but he's, He's obviously loves Palmer and is very happy with our one, but he would have another one. He wants a boy, but I would get pregnant and I have twin girls. So (laughs) tell me about the way that your work and your public life, how does that, how do you sort of integrate that with your personal life? How do you turn it on and turn it off? Well, for me, you know, I did the real world when I was 19 years old. So, and I hate even using the word fame because to me, 
you know, I consider someone famous if they've like done something notable or if they have a talent or they, I, I, I don't know. I don't consider like reality television people famous because what have we really done? We just, we just live our lives on a TV show. So the real world kind of gave me that little taste of like what it feels like for people to all of a sudden recognize you on the street. And I, I truly compartmentalize it. Like I, I try not to even think about it a lot. I feel like I'm a normal person. I live my life as a normal person. I do not consider myself a celebrity by any means. If anything, it kind of weirds me out that anybody can even perceive me as that. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of boring to live that exciting of a life. Well, what, what kind of plans do you have going forward? You are an amazing mom. You're obviously so invested in Palmer and, you know, she's all over your Insta. I mean, you're, you know, you're so lucky in that way. What do you have coming next? You have this amazing book coming out. Are you looking to do more? I don't know what I have next. I think I'm done with reality television for sure. At least in the context that I have been on it. I think if I were to ever go back on it, it would have to be no drama, like, Maybe like HGTV, that's like my new speed of reality television. I don't like the fighting. I don't like the vitriol, the the toxic. It just, it seems like the whole reality television world is like taking a dumpster dive lately. And Well, Cameron, if you can hear us, do you have, to all the people here, do you have any words of sort of wisdom or anything to say to them about your journey and this book and why it's so important to you? Well, oh gosh, I mean, that's such a huge question. I don't know. I'm, I'm 37 years old. I have, I, you know, obviously I have a little bit of life behind me. What I have learned from, I would say, motherhood and life in general is one, be true to yourself, listen to that inner voice and learn to decipher what is your head talking to you versus what is your heart. I've been reading a lot of books about this lately, and it's really, it's helping me a lot in my life, listening to my heart instead of my head, because I think the heart will always lead you in the direction that is good for your life. So that would be my biggest advice. And I would say to girls that are not married and do not have children yet, take your time. It is not something that has to be accomplished by a certain age, like society tells you. Live your life, learn your lessons say yes to many different men. So you can, you know, I don't want to say test drive. That sounds bad, but so you can learn, so you can learn, you know, who is the best partner for you. And also as a potential father of your, of your future children, be open. And yeah, I guess that would be my advice. (laughs) That's great. You just, that was great. You pulled that out perfectly. (laughs) And what about one more piece of advice for people who are who would like to write a book, aspiring authors? Oh my gosh, just do it. Just get it, get on your computer and, and start writing. It can be very cathartic. It's almost like, I feel like writing a book, it's, it's kind of like going to therapy with yourself because you learn about, you, you learn a lot about yourself in the process of doing it. So just get on your computer and start doing it. Amazing. I love it. Bye, Bye everybody. I'm so sorry for so many technical difficulties. Okay. Bye. Thanks. Thanks so much to Beekeepers Naturals for helping me through a sick day with the amazing cough syrup and um, cough spray, throat spray that you have. And thanks for helping all my listeners. Beekeepersnaturals.com slash no time promo code no time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. 
Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thank you.